You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's The Big Show. It's Valentine's Day. Leave this on, uh, GVP. The Big Show is powered by MortgagesToGo.ca, always the lowest interest rates in Canada since 2004. Visit MortgagesToGo.ca. Uh, we've all picked a uh, sappy, romantic song to play this morning. Uh, here's my selection, Linger by the Cranberries. Mm. It's mm. a lovely tune. Um, bottom of the hour. We can leave this up, GVP. Um, mm-hmm. It is Valentine's Day. We want to know, how or why did you fall in love with the Calgary Flames? 960-960, name and location. We'll play those text messages at the bottom of the hour. But right now, NHL analyst on Sportsnet, you hear him on the Mitsoff podcast, former National Hockey Leaguer on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Luke Gazdick. Hello, sir. How are you? Better after listening to the Cranberries intro. Yeah, that's 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 a certified. That's one of those where you're just feeling sensitive, Luke, in the headphones that you want the other boys to hear. But that is definitely a, a sensitive song to play. Oh, good stuff, boys. Way to start the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask you, Luke. I'm going to put you on the spot. I apologize ahead of time. Uh, your favorite sappy song, uh, love song, that we can uh, play you out to at mm. the end of the interview? Let's go with, um, we'll, we'll keep it, you're in Alberta, we'll keep it country. Let's go Shania Twain's You're Still the One. Oh, oh. wow. It's a good poll. It's a good poll, Luke. So we'll play you out um, with that. Uh, watched you on uh, Monday Night Hockey, did a terrific job, Flames and Rangers. Uh <laughs> You had you said something during the broadcast that immediately caught my ear, and then immediately uh, we discussed how we have to have you on the show. Why don't you share with the listeners uh, what Travis Konechny told you once on the ice, Luke? <laughs> you caught that during the highlight. Right? <laughs> I did. We were, I was in Jersey. I was playing for Jersey, and um, you we uh, Philly came to town and I think it was first period and um, you know commercial breaks you kind of just jump around you're doing the little loop in front and he like slowly sauntered up behind me and in like the back from the back to my to my right ear he just whispered you have to be the worst hockey player I've ever seen <laughs> oh man how, how did you take that? I started you... laughing. I actually started yeah. laughing. I, I was just like, oh, man, that's a good one. They were a nightmare to play against. Between him and Nick Cousins and Dale Weiss, they just yeah. they never shut up the whole game. What's it like playing that's against it. Nick Cousins? He's just – he's exactly what you see, man. Honestly, like every – with Philly, it was whether I was on Edmonton or that year in Jersey, which was surprisingly a way bigger rivalry than I thought it was or was going to be. The two teams are really close, um, and every time we played them, it was just a gong show. But with Cousins, it was like every every whistle, anything in front of the net, it was always a scrum. He was always looking to mix it up. It just blood pressure through the roof those games because uh, you just knew – him and TK, him and Konechny, like you knew they probably weren't going to do anything. They were just stirring the pot. Um, they were both really tough to play against, to be honest. Like, I don't want to give them any credit, but guys that I'd love to have on my team but are just a nightmare to play against. Um, did you ever steal material that you heard and used it for yourself? 
Oh man, good question. Good question. I'll have to sit on that one. I've heard some good ones in my day. I don't know if I've taken anything and and used it again. That's a good one, man. Let me think about that one. Right, because uh, uh, I do like the uh, the Konechny story. is absolutely fantastic. Um, when you're facing a goalie like Jacob Markstrom on Monday night and how red hot he was, Shusterkin was great, nothing to take away from him, but Markstrom's been showing this all season. What have you seen that makes him so dialed in right now, Luke? Man, to be honest, he's so big, first and foremost, is what strikes me. Like, playing against bigger goalies is always challenging because they fill the net. I feel like a lot of, like, Dustin Wolf, there's your perfect example of a smaller guy that has to use his angles and, and, and more of his, like, athleticism to get over. But with really big guys, it's already hard enough when you come down and can't see any of the net. So when you're as athletic as Marky is, like, it makes it impossible. And he makes these, like, circus cross-crease saves. You saw on Monday, like, Ace was all over at Anson Carter. Like, Calgary was just getting seamed back and forth. Like, that's what New York wants to do. They want to pass through a seam, get you to bite to it, just like the Flames were doing, and then put it back through the seam, which usually leaves, like, Crider's advantage at for these half-open nets. And Markstrom just gets over. And so he, like, he uses his body, but he's also so athletic that it's when when he's playing hot like this, it's it's like impossible to score. Like you guys saw Monday night, it's just he gives them a chance to win every night. And I think it's even like more of a mental edge too. Like I've said this on TV before. We were talking about Hellebuck. When you're sitting, I mean, we 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 talked about it a bit when I was joking with Croner. But when you're sitting there, if you're a Flames guy before the game and you know Markstrom's on, like it just gives you that much more of a confidence boost. And he's just, like I said, man, so big, so strong, so athletic that he's, there's no one really like him, man, to be honest. He's very unique in the way he plays. What does it do to a team when the top players are frustrated because they're going out there, they're doing basically everything that they want except for beating a netminder? Does that play throughout the rest of the group? Does that affect the rest of the group as well? 100%. I mean, I was thinking there the whole time. So as we were watching it, this is just, you know me, I'm honest. Like, Calgary did not deserve to probably win that game. But that's how you sneak some out every now and then, getting points you probably didn't deserve. That's part of hockey. That's part of the game. If New York is over it, over it, over it, grade A, grade A, after, you know, chance after chance, and you're able to come back down and sneak one in, like the fourth line with Runes and uh, Walker Dewar, they almost had one there. Shusterkin made two really good saves. But if they're just continually coming at you in waves and you can come back and tuck one in, that's when they'll really start to sag because you're on the bench and you're like, man, what what can we do here? Like, what are we doing? Um, going in between intermissions and you're watching saves that he made, trying to think if you can do something different. So you have snipers now thinking – man, I got to go high. That was, I think, the biggest thing with big goalies that, you know, whatever goaltending coach we had or whether it was the coach itself told us, like everything needs to go upstairs because when they go down into butterfly splits, whatever it is, they're going to cover the entire bottom of the net and about halfway up just because of their size. So everything needs to go high. So you just start having shooters second-guessing yourselves 
Um, and I, I mean, I was never that guy that was picking my spots, but I watched, hmm. you know, scoring guys get really frustrated during games because the goalie's playing so well. I've seen guys walk in and be like, what, what, what are we doing here? Like, what, what do I have to do? So it can be frustrating. And I was hoping that the flames were going to go back down and, you know, get a chintzy one, get a garbage one in front of the net. Um, Igor was just that much better. Luke Azdick, NHL on Sportsnet, Mitzoff podcast, former NHLer, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Uh, we've been talking a, a ton about Martin Pospisil on this show. Uh, Luke, I just want to get your opinion on what he brings to the table and how much rat does that guy have in him? Man, I figured you guys were going to ask me about him because I, I'm loving watching this kid. Uh, like Monday night, we, we brought him up uh, – I don't know whether it was post game or I think it might've been in between second and third, just because every time I watch and cover the flames, he does something that stands out to me where I notice him, where I'm like, who, who made that hit in the corner or who just drove the net and knocked the mooring off. And he's now underneath a pile. Like, of course, Pospisil started that. And that's a tough thing to do. Like for an energy guy like that, which he's kind of starting to fall into that role to bring the energy like that every night can be challenging. Like 82 game season in the NHL. Like I did a similar role to that. I wasn't, I don't want to say as ratty as him or as skilled as him, but I was counted on to be a very physical presence every night. And you can get away with it. If you're a skill guy and you pick up a point that night, that's cool. Like you got your cookie, they got the win. Maybe you didn't play that well. You didn't get noticed, but for a guy like me or like Marty, if I go a game without getting noticed, like that's not a good thing. So I just feel like every night I watch this kid, I notice him. And I talked to Kale McLean, who's the assistant coach there in Calgary, he runs the penalty kill. He was my assistant coach in Stockton, unbelievable guy and coach, really smart guy. And he said the same thing. I was asking him about Marty and they just want him to bring that energy every night to bring that kind of competitive consistency. Cause that's not easy in the NHL. Some days you're just not feeling it. Maybe you're, you don't have the energy yourself. Mentally, you're a little down, whatever it is, you're sore, you're tired. So for me to watch these games and, you know, it's almost be laughing at the TV every night because he's, you know, put someone through the end wall or like I said, he's on the bottom of a pile. It's good. He's got to keep playing that way. It's, it gives them another dimension, which I think they need, um, they, they're starting to kind of see the way their lines are breaking down now. I'm really loving that third line. I, I love the way they're kind of they're going, and, and he's a big part of that. Wanted also to get your thoughts on uh, the bottom pair on the blue line. Uh, it's been Shillington and Pahal right now. Obviously, we're all waiting on a big trade when it comes to Chris Tanev. What have you seen from Shillington and Pahal lately? So I played with Shilly uh, in Stockton as well. Um, so I know kind of what he brings to the table. And he's come a long way, too, since I played with him in the minors. Um, the first thing you notice with Oliver is his skating, which I think he has to use more. If he wants to be effective, every time he wheels the net, uh, I know you're thinking simple breakout pass when you're coming back after a long time, but you can see he's starting to move his legs a little more. And he's just a really, really dynamic skater. And I would love to see him continually be driving pucks. Um, but on a third pair, he's got to be reliable defensively. I think that's where he leans on Pahal. Um, it's kind of written in 
written in stone here what's going on, right? You pick up a 24-year-old right-handed shot, six-foot-two, uh, 190-pound durable defenseman. Sounds exactly like Tanny. Um, they're giving him a look, giving him some decent minutes. I'm not going to lie; I think he's got better. I, I don't think he's been. Um, I don't think he's been great so far, but I can kind of see the potential. Um, he's yeah, he's just made a couple a couple turnovers that I haven't loved. Uh, one in the New York game, especially, but I think that's going to come. You, you can see, you can see the potential in him, and that has the that in, in itself has the potential to be a really good pair. I just think he's he's got some work to do. He knows that um, they'll they'll work with him. Kale will work with them. Um, Husk will get him dialed in, um, and I think that that has the potential to be a nice little pair. I'm interested to kind of see what happens to this team after the trade deadline. Uh, obviously they've got several names that are kind of in, in conversation here. Um, we've seen them battle through losing Elias Lindholm, but what would happen to this team if they lost Tanev or Hanfin or Markstrom, which would be the biggest loss? So I'm, I'm guessing that one of the three are gone for sure. Right. And we kind of, we talked about this on Monday when we were prepping the show. My producer asked us, he's like, what, you know, what is the vibe from the players? Like, are the players kind of offended by this, you know, as the team starts to win and then you're just selling off pieces. But I think the guys get it. Like the guys understand that Craig Conroy had a plan going into this year. They forecast almost every situation. Like this isn't a surprise to them. They, they will have talked about in their management room and in the war room, in the meetings, they will say, what if this, what if we win 12 in a row before the trade deadline and we're buzzing and we're in the first wild card? Like, does that change anything? And I don't think it does. I think they are just actively listening to calls and offers. It's sounding like Tanev is on the way out um, just because what they're probably going to get back for him is, is worth it. Even though I, I love Chris and I think, He's a great person to have on the team. Hannafin's the guy that I've been on the fence on, not on whether I keep him. I think he's actually thinking about sticking around. He has played unbelievable this year for me. He's been the guy on that defense core that's been a rock along with Weeks and Raz has been great too. But Markstrom is the one I'm confused about. I, I you know, was sitting there with Anthony Carter on Monday, and I just we just said to each other, basically, I don't, I wouldn't be trading this guy. I, I wouldn't even be, you know, maybe entertaining offers. I'm sure that his value is probably as high as it's ever been, especially when you have teams like Jersey that came up in rumors, and Carolina still needs a goaltender. I, it's just goaltending is so hard to come by. Like good goaltending is so hard to come by in the NHL, and you have an absolute number one proven workhorse stud here in that and i don't I, I don't know why they would be even considering trading them so i don't know if this is like you know a little bit of a smoke screen that they're doing but it sounds like it's real and i he's the only one i don't understand i get it dustin wolf two-time back-to-back goaltender of the year in the ahl he hasn't really proven he's ready yet to be a full-time starter let him shadow marky Bring mm-hmm. him up here full time. Mm-hmm. Let him sit behind him. Look at Henrik Lundqvist in New York. That's kind of the example Ace was using. He had Cam Talbot behind him. Then Cam eventually becomes a starter. Comes to Edmonton where we are, where I was. Um, ends up putting up a 45 win season. Same thing with Igor. Igor sits behind him. Like let Dustin like learn from this guy a little bit. Let's revisit this next trade deadline. I just think like 
good goaltending is not easy to find. And there are teams that are searching high and low for it. And you have a guy in your crease that's given you that every night, what he did on Monday. I wouldn't even be thinking about it. But with the two defensemen, I mean, Tanev looks like he's on the way, guys. And for Noah, it's does he want to be there? Mm-hmm. Like, the, do you want to be here? Do you want to be a part of this thing? And if you don't, then that's cool. But I'm sure they could get an, an absolute package for him in return. The team is three, or pardon me, four and one in their last five. They're three points out of a playoff spot. How do you think it plays in the room that Jacob Markstrom's name is out there? Honestly, I, I don't. Yeah, I'm trying to put myself in that in that stance and in that room. I, I think, like I kind of alluded to, I, I think guys just get it. They understand it, but I, I wouldn't be happy about it. I, I just, I, I guess that's why I didn't go into management or try to become a, any anything like that. I just disagree. I, I would disagree with that. And I think they all probably buy into the idea that Dustin Wolf is probably your next guy coming up. Vladar can do the job he's shown when he needs to come in there. But I just feel like Mark is, Mark, he's such a big part of that room. And I, I, I wouldn't be thrilled about it to, to, to be honest, but I think at the same time, they understand that this is part of the business, part of hockey. Um, it just kind of sucks a little bit. That's, that's uh, the biggest thing of it, especially when he has a no move. So you have to go and kind of approach him about, uh, about this stuff. And, um, He's just been such. He's been so solid for them that I I can't think of any other scenario that wouldn't involve the team being you know a little choked by it. Um, Luke, you played in the league. You played with this player. How absurd is it for a guy to have six assists in an NHL game? Uh, I don't think I. We can check this. I don't think I had six assists in four years in the NHL. I honestly don't think so. It's absolutely wild. Like last night was the perfect example of him just deciding to turn it on. And just from start to finish, just he makes everyone around him so good. It's just so crazy when you can kind of see when he gets dialed in, he starts hunting pucks. Like when he went behind the goal line and uh, stick lifts that from Mo Sider and then comes back, finds Hyman. Like it's absurd some of the things he's doing. The the. Spinorama pass in the third period. I think it was for number five. Like, I don't know if people, I, I don't want to say I don't know if people know, but I hope people appreciate how, how hard that is to do in real time. To come down at full speed and pull a 360, keep the puck on the back, back of your blade, and not only do that, but finish with a KTK pass is, is crazy. Um, he's probably going to end up with a scoring title. He's got 47. He's what? I think he's 47. McKinnon's 54. Kucherov's 53. He's like five, six games behind some of these guys. He's 13 points back now. He's going to get it. Um, I I think it's just a matter of him just continuing to turn it on. Um, It's it's just fun to watch. I hope everyone is 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 loving it as much as I am and appreciating it. It's really cool. Not so sure they they love it as much here. Oh, Luke, I'm not uh, yeah, sorry, not not as much in Cowtown, but I just, man, I, it's cool for me. I know I talk about it sometimes with you guys about getting to live with them when he was a young, a young rookie, but it's been very cool. I mean, he got 600, 600 assists yesterday, fourth fastest in in um, in history, and um, I, I got to to play and live with them when he was an eighteen year old rookie, and it's it's just crazy to see 
600 assists later, um, what, what he's been able to accomplish. Um, just his skating. Uh, I want to get your quick opinion before I let you go to um, his skating. You had three assists in your NHL career, by the way. I'm looking it up right now. Not bad. Yeah. Hey, listen, Not you played 147 games. It's 147 more than a lot of people have, Luke. It's pretty it's damn so good. hard to get points in the NHL. I try to explain that to people. Like to even play one game, I like it's just. I look back and I'm actually proud of that. Like I got absolutely roasted by Habs fans a couple of weeks ago because I made a couple of comments about Slavkovsky in the pregame, and people were like copying and pasting my hockey DB. Who, what is this guy? I know he played 147 games. I'm like, man, I take that as a compliment every time someone yeah. posts that I have NHL games in my hockey DB. It's pretty yeah. cool. Um, yeah, like, our listeners rip into Brent Cron. He was a first-round pick. Like, you know how hard yeah, it is to exactly. be a first-round pick in the NHL? I know. So what were you asking about? The Connor McDavid, the skating? Oh, no, I was going to ask you about, uh, we know Connor McDavid skating, but I just want to get your opinion on Nathan McKinnon skating. Just different. Nate was so actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'll preface Connors with a with a quick funny one. Connor, we we used to get Connors. So we used to drive them home. We used to call up kids from I think it was Oklahoma City or Bakersfield at the time. But we would get these kids called up to you know be fifth, sixth, seventh defenseman, and he would have to go like seventy percent of these guys because he he would get in the car after and tell me that he didn't want to make them like didn't want to make them feel too bad about themselves because he was just that fast at a hundred percent. So he'd be like clocking back a little bit. But I remember the first time I went into Denver and saw Nate skate in real life and get caught out on the ice with him there a couple times. And he just, he starts the crossover. It's about a five, six crossover gallop. And it's about one of the most intimidating things you've seen because he gets going heads up the whole time. He's never looking at the puck. He's looking up at you the whole time. He knows what he has. That's one thing I realized that was similar between those two guys when I started talking to Connor about the way he approaches the game when he gets the puck, is their heads up, and he knows exactly what he has ahead of him. The one play he was telling me versus Columbus when he scored that goal was that he knew where everybody was on the ice. As soon as he had one on his back, he knew he only had four left to be in front of him on the ice. And Nate's the same way. He just he, he attacks knowing exactly what he has, but, man, just so powerful, so strong. Um, other than Connor, or even sometimes more than Connor, is my favorite player in the league to watch. Uh, is Nate just because he's he's uh, so dynamic too, and so fun, so powerful, so strong to watch. Yeah, super fun, um, Luke. There's only one thing left to do. GVP, can we please play him out? There it is. <laughs> well, Shania, Luke, we always appreciate you jumping on. We appreciate the Travis Konechny story, which was great. My favorite part is that he kind of whispered in your ear about it, too. I think that really added to the story, Luke. I'm not going to lie to you. It was like he was really, like, completely serious. He really meant that. <laughs> I'm sorry you had to endure that, but we appreciate the story and the laughs. Uh, Luke Gazdick, NHL on Sportsnet, Mitzoff Podcast. Former NHLer, 147 games. Damn right. Luke will do it again soon. Thanks, pal. Anytime. Have a good day, guys. There he is on the Atlas Beats and Sports Bar guest hotline. We can go to break with this little Shania. <laughs> Straight ahead. How or why you fell in love with the Calgary Flames? Maddie, we'll get your story. How you <laughs> fell in love with the Calgary Flames, how and why. Yeah. 
GVP, how you fell in love with the Calgary Flames? We'll hear your love stories talking about the team. Like Patrick, do you, I don't know because Patrick's like torn between the Flames and the Jets. I don't know. Like uh, during the uh, early two thousands, and uh, well, really up until the Jets came back, I uh, just liked hockey. I didn't have a team. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think you're excluded from this next segment, Patrick. You I'm, just have to run texty. Yeah, I'm good with that. There's some good ones All coming right. in. Uh, your Flames love stories next. It's Valentine's Day. <laughs> it's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The top of the hour, Pete Blackburn, host of the What Chaos podcast. We'll look around the National Hockey League with Pete. Get his opinion on Jacob Markstrom. That saucy report from Frank yesterday on Flamestock with Patty Steinberg that the Devils and Flames, ooh, close to a trade, pretty much as close as you can get with actually making the deal. We'll talk to Eric Francis about that coming up at 8.32. It is Valentine's Day. There's Maddie's selection for a love song, More Than a Feeling by Boston. Mm. I like it. Thank you. Um, we'll hear GVPs at the 8 o'clock hour, top of the 8. Can't wait. Looking forward to see what he has. Yeah. I do. I, I'm interested to see what he picks. I'm going to say it's a, it's probably a country song. Yep. I would fully agree. That I'm, I'm, I'm leaning that way. Um, we've been asking you all morning. It is Valentine's Day, if you didn't know. February 14th, that's Valentine's Day. How or why did you fall in love with the Calgary Flames? A lot of text messages flying in on this topic. Tell us how and why you fell in love with the local hockey team. Um, I think, Patrick, it, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Texty has the day off. Yeah, Texty's uh, he's taking a, taking a sit. He's going to oh. just sit up, uh, put his legs up, and, wow. uh, and listen. He's got the fireplace okay, going. Okay, I think we have a special, uh, a special guest text reader. Uh, Sally. 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 Uh, Sally. Oh. Yes, Mustang okay. Sally. Little how'd you do? <laughs> Mustang Sally. I like it. <laughs> so we'll hear Sally. Um, we want to hear uh, Matt and uh, GVPs uh, how and why they fell in love with the Calgary Flames. Let's do Maddie's first. We'll play some text messages. Then we'll do GVPs, and then we'll do some more text messages. Do you have any romantic music underneath for you, Maddie? Well, you can profess oh. your love and how you fell in love with the Calgary Flames. Uh, apparently, we oh, do yeah. have that. Yeah, it was ready and rearing. I, yeah, uh, I was prepared GVP, for that. GVP, GVP, next time we're going to take that long to play a song, mm -hmm. we're going to have to have a chat. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. The big man up top. Sheriff's going to reprimand me. Yeah. Put him in. going to rip you a new one, son. Put him in the, in the jail cell. George yeah. got to get his big old key ring out. Lock you up. The yeah. drunk jail cell at, at the Bills game. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt. Exactly. Tell us how and why you fell in love with the Calgary Flames. Well, obviously, um, I was born in Drayton Valley. I grew up in the city. I uh, didn't really play hockey growing up until I was about 9 or 10 when all my friends started playing. And it was right around then that also the Calgary Flames went on their magical run and uh we used to watch hockey i remember saturday nights dad would throw on hockey night in canada usually watch the entirety of whoever the leafs were playing in the opening <laughs> set and then in the evening it would be 
either the Flames, the Oilers, or the Canucks. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking my dad, which color of jersey do I cheer for? And if red was playing, it was always red. But if not, it was always the Canadian teams. And then the Jerome McGinley run in 2004 was really where I uh, truly fell in love with the team, was fully engaged for that run, and uh, really never looked back. So, um, yeah, it was. Uh, I would have just turned 11 when the run began. And a uh, bit of a game changer, to say the least. Don't think I'd be here without it, so that's for sure. It's nice. It's nice that uh, your dad was a big part mm-hmm. of your love for the Calgary Flames. And look at you, parlayed it into a broadcasting career. Look at you. Yeah, parlayed it, weaseled it, yeah, whatever you want to yeah, call it. Probably. Lucked into it. <laughs> yeah, somehow flopped into it. <laughs> be less than the Chance next line. was on your side. Yeah, no effort whatsoever. Hmm. Good for you. A lot of nepotism. Right, like uh, Definitely no Sally. zero people in the industry. Yeah, you're uh, just like me. I'm no I'm no nepo baby in this. My uncle Steve didn't work in radio. That's why I got the <laughs> job. That never happened. I got the job to bring you stuff like I can feel your heat. Yeah. Mm. So, um, Sally, is there a special guest uh, text reading today? Is um, she? Getting your text. Mustang Sally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing this. Th- th- um, this one, uh, a father maybe not as kind as Maddie's dad was. Oh, oh okay. All oh. right. Well, here, let, let's hear some text messages sure. from our special guest text reader this morning, Mustang Sally. Chris Calgary. It was mid-80s. I told my dad I liked Edmund, and then he cuffed me in the head and asked me if I liked food and sleeping in a warm house. <laughs> Go Flames. Yeah. I feel like that's more of an arranged marriage yeah. for your yeah, yeah, you're forced fair. It. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're welcome. You like eating? Yeah. yeah. You like eating in a warm roof? As a kid, yeah. you're like, I don't really understand uh, the question. I, like, I, 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 yeah, I guess. What's the opposite? So there you go. Go Flames. Yeah. You like a, you like a roof over your head? <laughs> a warm meal? <laughs> that's it. That's why you love the Flames. That's a beautiful love story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It's tough love. There's yeah. such thing mm-hmm. as tough love, man. Oh, yeah. There is. Love. Yeah, hey, I love all types of love. Yeah, you love love. Mm-hmm. All right, keep them rolling, Sally. Tyler from Lethbridge. My love for the almighty flames came back on a quiet night in the Dome. My first NHL game in 2001, Anaheim was in town. Flames were so bad, down for nothing. About to leave cause of the blowout. A man called Craig Barron cranked Jay's G. Gary. And for the rest of the game, it was line brawl after line brawl. Icky fought a guy who looked like George Costanza and bobbed and weaved. Oh, such a good loss. The <laughs> 2001 uh, Jaguar Barube fight. Oh. Uh, there's a classic call. It's on YouTube. Peter Mars on the call of it. It's just absolutely hilarious. Like, it's young Iggy out there showing what he was going to bring to the league over the next decade. Wow. There I you like go. Mm-hmm. Jay Jaguar and Craig Barube. Yeah, former flame Jay Jaguar. Yes, a part of the uh, the love for the Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that... Sally uh, had some trouble with some names more than Texty does. <laughs> well, um, she's new. She's new. She's, she's, yeah. she's got to figure it out. But we, we did want to have a sultrier voice. Yeah. Because it is Valentine's Day. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Well, like, duh. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> What are we doing here? We're a professional radio. Yeah, we, we're a real-life, actual professional outfit yeah. here. So, yeah, obviously. Yeah. 
I couldn't even say that with a straight face. Yeah, I know. Professional radio show. Yeah. Professional. Professional. Yeah. Oh, a bunch of pros. Hey, there's over 700 million people in the States. Actually, no, George. <laughs> it's not correct. <laughs> um, That's something I keep would Keep it say. rolling, Sally. Ethan in High River. I was born into a Flames family, but I fell in love with the Calgary Flames in 2002. That was grade 3 for me and I had a two-band battery-powered antenna radio. We never had TV in Granham. I found the fan 961 night, when I was supposed to be asleep, and Peter Marr had me hooked. Listened ever since. Shout out to Pat too, for talking me to sleep so many nights on his overtime show. Oh. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. No TV. What? Like, what eight? Like, <laughs> Granum. Yeah, out in Granum. No TV? I don't really? Know Granum is. <laughs> I think it's south of here. It's kind of close to Lethbridge, yeah. just outside of Claire's home. Yeah, that's mm. what I thought. Okay, did you, did you play some HJHL games there? No, I used to go camping out in Granite. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. So, um, thank you for being a hardcore listener of the radio station for years and years and years. I, and uh, that I our radio stations tied your loves of the flames. What's that? I remember listening to Peter Marr plenty when I was growing up. I remember once, uh, my dad's going to hate this, but once we got in a fender bender on the way to the Saddle Dome to watch a game. Oh, boy. And uh, I distinctly remember listening to the first period in the car and being just so perplexed why we couldn't just leave the accident. <laughs> like, why do we have to leave? Why? Like, everyone's sure. fine. The vehicles work. Yeah. Why can't we just go? <laughs> yeah. No, the police had to come and reports. and blah, 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 blah. It was ridiculous. Mm. Couldn't believe I was late to see the Minnesota Wild again. Oh. Yeah. Or maybe it was the Arizona Coyote, Coyotes. It was definitely one he, of the two. He wanted to see Manny Fernandez in the wild. Yeah. It was going to be an exciting hockey game. Yeah, I never got to see teams like the Blackhawks or the Penguins, but boy, would I would I love me a little bit of... <laughs> Jacques Lemaire's wild. Miku Koivu. Yeah, damn right. And you loved it. Damn yeah, right. I did. I did. Um, Get myself a malt. GVP, mm. uh, when did you fall in love? How did you fall in love with the Calgary Flames? Well, I was only four years old by the time the Flames were making a run to the Stanley Cup Finals, so I never really got to live through that. But similar to Maddie's story about uh, Hockey Night in Canada being kind of sacred to him, it was the same thing for myself and my brother. Uh, we never had uh, cable television really growing up, so we only ever got to watch Flames games when it was on uh, CBC on, on Saturday nights. Yeah, God forbid a pay-per-view. Not oh, a chance yeah. in hell, right? Yeah, so those... I uh, spent th- my 13 bucks on those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those those Flames uh, pay-per-views. I forgot about those. Yeah, Robbie those Kerr and e- Perry Bears yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, would, we would watch the Leafs game while still playing like mini-stick hockey yes. throughout the entire uh, the game there. And then once the Flames got, game came on, we would throw our jerseys on and be strapped in for the entire... Uh, the entire 60 minutes. I also had this uh, this book when I was growing up called Firewagon Hockey. It was a story about the 80s, and uh, I fell in love with uh, the dominant flames of the 80s. Their cup run in 1986, losing to the to Montreal uh, the Montreal Canadiens as well as beating yep. the Montreal Canadiens in 1989. I was yep. all in on the flames growing up, uh, playing for the McKnight Mustangs in the community hockey. Ugh. We we wore black and orange as our team colors, but I insisted on wearing a red helmet Aww. and red gloves <laughs> and red <laughs> pants. CCM super pants. Yes. CCM red CCM super pants that I super, picked, yep. Yeah, that I picked up from a played against sports. Oh, oh yeah. They were very very yeah. old, but they were the only red ones they had in store, so I had to buy them. Mm. 
I also made my brother stop playing during the commercial. Like, we would only play mini sticks during the commercials. Mm -hmm. And then outside of the commercials, right back to the couch. Game on. Yeah, yeah and he didn't love that. But that's also <laughs> why he works on cars yep. and I work on the radio. Right. We also had a back. Oh, no. uh, we had an outdoor rink growing up. And uh, we would listen to the flames with Peter Mara in the background while we'd mm. shoot pucks through the fence and whatnot. Nice. Awesome. Um, the super pants, it reminded me of uh, back in the day, uh, a certain vintage of our listeners, the Brent Craw and George Russick era of our listeners. Uh, Tacla used to be such a big brand of hockey pants. You don't, you don't have hockey pants. Yeah, Tacla, you have Tacla pants. Mm. Or Eagle no. gloves. Eagle gloves were big. Yes. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. those. I had a pair of Eagle. silver Eagle gloves. Oh. <laughs> you just had Brass all the flashiest skates. stuff, hey? I had a pair of white skates at one point. Too, uh, like I white grass. That's... I mean, you got to be really good to wear white grass skates. Well, I think well, we, we all, so heavy. I think we all know how good he was. That was um, pretty damn There are good. so many here. I think we got to squeeze in a little more throughout the show. Sure. Um, let's, let, let's get like three or four more in before the break. Okay. Wedley and Bridalwood, my dad was in the hospital when I was eight. And while sitting in the waiting room, this senior had Game 7 overtime versus Vancouver on. First game I'd ever seen. Some guy named Vernon Rob Smile. Screeko and Tandy on saves. Flames won the game and I fell in love with the team and hockey. Now 43 still love both like Kelly Kaposki. Okay. Um, yeah, the Vernon saves on Stan Smeal and twice with the glove save in overtime against Vancouver, which ultimately propelled them to a Stanley Cup championship. Mm. Tony Tanti was on that. Petri Streco. Yeah. Um, on those Canucks teams. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to take Tony a word Tanty. for it. Tony yeah. Tanty. Love, That's a good name. Love Tony Tanty. That's a good hockey yeah. name. All the way. All Timmy Tanty. Uh, Stanley Cup uh, final. All right, keep them rolling. Keith in Red Deer. I fell in love with the Flames when I was 10 years old as I witnessed Theo Fleury number 14 slide across the ice after scoring a huge <laughs> goal against the Oilers. Oilers <laughs> suck. Game <laughs> 6, 91, forcing a Game yep. 7 back down here at the Dome. Game 7 didn't go that well, but yeah, that's obviously one of the more iconic visual moments in Calgary Flames history, just like Lanny scoring the goal in Game uh, 6 there, or Game yeah, yeah, game 6 against the Habs. Yeah, um, at the Montreal at the form, form there. David Riddick throwing his stick exactly. after beating the Oilers. Yeah, Dennis Weidman running a ref. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> those, those, are, those are iconic moments. Yeah. But uh, Flurry sliding all across the ice. A lot of kids uh, mimic that celly. It was in after. the. It was in the, uh, the after the hockey theme went away from Hockey Night in Canada. They, they, I forget the song they had, but that was one of the scenes they had in the intro for Hockey Night in Canada. Was Theo sliding? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah it was in there for a long time. Yeah. All right, keep them rolling. Mister Plow in Calgary. I fell in love with the Flames on December eleventh, nineteen eighty, when I went to the game at the Corral using standing room seats and the Flames played Buffalo. Calgary won eight to four. I fell hard, and now all they do is break my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you had to do oh. that. And yeah, they. Well, what? Listen, if you started in 1980, at least you saw a championship. Yes, yeah. that's a good Look point. Look at GVP. GVP hasn't even seen the team <laughs> he play. He was a toddler in the cup run in 04. Yeah, <laughs> four years old. Yeah, barely sentient. Yeah. GVP's like, what? They actually played in the championship final? What? They were able to get that far, and they weren't supposed to either. Oh, man, it was fantastic. Bunch of underdogs. Yeah. I went back and watched all the classic games, but uh, I'll never get that the same feeling. No. No. No, no it's different when you know how they end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Okay, keep rolling. Jeremy from Calgary. I moved here in 2000. Nobody cared about the Flames. I didn't even like hockey. Then in 2004 the Red Mile made me love the Flames. I'm still not a hockey fan per se but the Flames are my favorite franchise. There you go. Why, I've heard stories of the Red Mile. Why are you listening to us? Yeah, I've heard stories of the Red Mile. Legendary stories. Yeah, it was solid. I don't yep. think they ever got back to their heights of 04 for sure. No, 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 no. Like, no. We, even, we were even hearing stuff out east about the Red Mile. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it had a little bit of a rep. Like in- they had Steve Armitage reporting from 17th Ave. <laughs> Love it. Was he... He wasn't busy calling swimming? No, Mike. No, he wasn't. <laughs> no, he wasn't. Steve Armitage, great, I great love broadcaster. Steve Armitage. Great broadcaster. No, Mike. Yeah, great stuff. <laughs> All right, two more. Ian Inniket Oaks. Our family moved to Calgary in 1982. My nana in New Brunswick thought she was doing me a favor by sending me out with a pair of Edmonton Oilers pajamas. I wore them to a sleepover, and the other boys there kicked my ass. Been a Flames fan since that very moment. <laughs> yeah, take beat they should have. Yeah, as you deserved. Oh, Calgary's got a team now. Okay. Oh, okay. Thanks, Grandma. Thanks, Grandma. Thanks, Grandma. <laughs> hey, Grandma. Yeah, <laughs> just shaming her. Just calls her. These bruises. Yeah. There's you. Nana. This is your fault. Yeah. This is your fault. Hey, Nana, I got my ass beat because you sent me in these pajamas. Thanks, <laughs> Nana. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> Nana. Unbelievable. All right. One more. One more. Daryl in Calgary. I grew up watching Lenny McDonald as a hat, Tiger in the W, and was very excited when he joined the Flames in the Stanley Cup run. There you go. Mm-hmm. Fall like in love one. with Lanny like many people have. The legend. Mm-hmm. McDonald. All right. I think we'll play some of these. Um, maybe we'll play some of these for Eric Francis, too. What do you think? That's sure. Right. Yeah, I think he'd like that. Yeah. He's nostalgic. So let's do that. Yeah. Keep him rolling in. 960, 960, name and location. Um, why and how you fell in love with the Calgary Flames. Straight ahead, Pete Blackburn, host of the What Chaos podcast. We'll look around the National Hockey League. We'll talk to the franchise coming up at 8.30. We'll do our locks of the day. Lots ahead in the 8 o'clock hour. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.